I want to invite you to take your Bible out and turn to John chapter 8. The Gospel of John chapter 8 is where we're going to be today. And uh, as you're turning there, uh, let me just say, if you're a guest today, just want to echo Mark from earlier. So thrilled that you're here with us today. I've met uh, many of you today and so glad that you've joined us. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, obviously you can look on your phone if you have a phone with you. Uh, or right there in your seat next to you, you can pull out page 950 is where we're going to be today uh, to make it easy on you, make it quick for you, page 950. As you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Uh, have you ever been chased through a parking lot by a man with a fake chainsaw? <laughs> Unfortunately, I can answer that in the affirmative. Uh, when I was in high school, my sophomore year of high school, uh, my girlfriend uh, had talked about wanting to go to a haunted house. And let me just tell you something about myself. I hate haunted houses. And I don't care if you think less of me that I hate haunted houses, but I hate them. But my girlfriend was going, and it had been a whole other thing if it was just her, but one of our other guy friends wanted to go as well. So I can't let them go through the haunted house together, right? It was the worst decision of my life. I hated it. From the moment I stepped in, I hated it, room by room, just being more and more terrified, feeling like there is nowhere I can go to escape this. Until at one point, we got to a certain spot where I could see some light. And what I'd experienced over time was that there was no light really to be found in this place. But when I saw light, I began to yell, go, 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 and I began to run faster than I've ever run in my life. So fast that the guy at the end holding a chainsaw waiting for people to come by to scare them, we surprised him. Because most people aren't running with everything that they have, and I think it backfired on me. Because I think it upset him that he didn't get to scare me, that he thought, I'm not just going to go to the end of the haunted house. I'm going to chase this fool all the way to his car. And he did. I've never been back. And never will. But you see, that moment when I began to pick up my pace, it all happened because I saw some light. And I knew that after that experience where no light was to be found, there was something that was drawing me to that light. Honestly, I didn't care if my girlfriend was coming or not. That other guy could take care of her. I was getting out. You see, we're all drawn to the light. We know in some of our earliest years, we're drawn to the light. They're going to bed and fearful of what's under the bed. We ask mom or dad or aunt or uncle or grandma or grandpa, hey, can you turn the light on in the closet and leave the door cracked? But it's not just at an early age, we're drawn to light even as adults. The World Economic Forum this year, they released that uh, in 2023, for the first time ever, there are more cell phones on the earth than people. And in fact, uh, many of us know people that may have more than one cell phone for business uh, issues, but, um, but they say that right now that over 5.4 billion people have a personal cell phone. Now, if we just guessed that maybe half of those would have a flashlight with them, that means that almost 3 billion people in the world are walking around with a flashlight handy at any moment. Gives a whole new meaning to the question, do you have a light? Thank you, one person got that. <laughs> <laughs> you get church member of the day, whoever you were over there, all right? 
Right? We, we want light. We don't know why we might need it, but we want it. And it comes in handy from time to time, doesn't it? Right? We're drawn to the light. But what you recognize and what we're going to navigate today through looking at John chapter 8 is that I believe for all of us, we are drawn to a deeper light. A light that isn't just visual, but more importantly, a light that is spiritual, that points us to something that can rescue us from the darkness that we walk in. For some of you today, this is a very timely word. Because although you might not have used the word darkness to describe the season of life that you're walking in, it resonates today, doesn't it? The darkness of your guilt, the darkness of your shame, the darkness of your decision-making, the darkness of the unsuredness of life and which way to go and what is life supposed to be about, right? And as you hear that word today, you recognize, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like there's darkness in my life. Today, we're going to turn our attention to John chapter 8, where Jesus is going to make the second of his seven I am statements that the Apostle John records in the Gospel of John. And if you've been with us, you know that this series is called His Words and His Ways, where we're walking through this eyewitness account of John and what he is saying and revealing about Jesus by looking at what Jesus did and what Jesus said. And so today we turn... And I want to invite you to go ahead and stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. We're going to read verse 12 down through verse 20. It says, Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I've come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards, I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they ask him, where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one sees him because his hour had not yet come. Let's pray together. Jesus, we pray that in this time that you are exalted and so Lord we, we want to understand with all that we are today the truth about who you are and then in recognizing who you are it stirs in us a desire not just to say that we exalt you but to live a life that, that exalts you and so Spirit of God would you reveal the darkness in our hearts today And would you reveal the hope and the freedom that can come with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And would you embolden us today to step into the light? God, would you work for your glory and our good? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Today, as we look at John chapter 8, we're going to see that the light of the world delivers us 
into true life. The light of the world delivers us into true life. Now, full disclosure, we're going to spend most of our time today just in verse 12. In verse 13, uh, down through verse 19, you're seeing this interaction of Jesus with the spiritual leaders of Israel, the Pharisees. And Jesus recognizes that they are calling him out on a law from Deuteronomy when it came to being a witness or serving as a witness in court, and that you had to have two or three witnesses to serve as a, as, as a valid testimony in court. Not one person could come and give testimony that would be valid uh, by themselves. And so Jesus is referencing that, but I want you to take note of their response to Jesus when he is going to make a, a claim of divinity here. To say, I am the light of the world is a claim of divinity, and they would have understood that to be the case. And their response was going to be one of a technicality. My hope for you today is that what the Spirit of God is going to reveal in your heart today and invite you into today, that your response would not be a technicality. For us to catch the full weight of what's happening here in John chapter 8 is to catch the significance of where Jesus said it and when Jesus said it. It tells us here in verse 12 that Jesus spoke to them, notice it says, again. He spoke to them again. This is connecting us back to chapter 7. And in chapter 7, we find that he is in the temple in Jerusalem, and it is at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. If you remember that in the Old Testament, God set up these feasts for his people Israel as moments for them to remember what God had done and to realign their hearts to his faithfulness, to his provision, and to his love. And in the Feast of Tabernacles, in which we find ourselves here, this was celebrated in the fall. It was five days after the Day of Atonement, uh, and where they recognized the sacrifice of, of sin, right, for, for, for the people. Uh, in the Feast of the Tabernacles, it was a time uh, to, to celebrate God's continued provision of their harvest in the fall. But more than that, it was pointing them back to the Old Testament and God's provision for their fathers, for their ancestors, while they were in the wilderness. And so this celebration, every year that they would do, the Feast of Tabernacles, it was a celebration reminding them of their deliverance from the slavery of Egypt, but it was also a reminder that they were not yet in the Promised Land that there was a Messiah that they were still longing for, a Messiah that they were looking for. And so each night, catch this, this is, this is really special to me. Each night of the Feast of Tabernacles, which would last from one Sabbath to the next, in the court of women, now in the court of women, there was an area which was known as the treasury. It were these large boxes. I don't think they had blue buckets by the door, right? But they had these large boxes where people would bring their offerings. And at the Feast of Tabernacles, people would come to Jerusalem and they would do that. They would give an offering. But it tells us in verse 20, notice this, that Jesus is by the treasury, right? So we know that he is in the court of women. So he's in Jerusalem, he's in the temple, and specifically he's in the court of women. And during the Feast of Tabernacles, it was the regular rhythm in celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles that in the court of women, there would be these four massive towers that would be put up. Towers so big that for them to do anything at the top of the ta uh, towers, it would take ladders for them to go up to do. And at the top of these towers, at the top of each of these four towers, would be four large basins. So you had 16 basins in the court of women. These basins would be filled with oil, and every night during the Feast of Tabernacles, they would be lit. It would provide an incredible light, not just for the court of women, but for the temple in many ways for the entire community. You remember, in this day, it's not like they had streetlights all throughout the city. 
It, it was a significant showing of light year in, year out during the Feast of Tabernacles. I want you to imagine what this must have looked like for the entire city to be a glow coming from the court of women. Have you ever driven into a small town on a Friday night during a football game? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You recognize how it's not just a location of that football field, but it's almost as if the glow covers that small town. And so it's in this setting. It could be that Jesus is standing there with these, these candelabras aglow lighting up the whole city. It could be that it's during the day where there is no light. But the significance of what Jesus says here, that I am the light of the world, it comes with a lot of weight. It's a very loaded statement for him to make. I want to give you several things today, several observations for us of what it means that Jesus is the light of the world and the difference that it makes for us. Again, I've told you from the very beginning, it is a claim of divinity. It, he is saying beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am the Messiah. I have come from God and I am God. And that reality made all the difference for them, and I believe it makes all the difference for us today. Let me give you several reasons why the light of the world makes all the difference. Uh, number one, the light of the world reveals all reality. The light of the world reveals all reality. Right? When we look at the Old Testament, we find that God is often referred to as light, as the light. So for Jesus to say, I'm the light of the world, he's connecting himself with the Father, and we recognize that the light of God's existence, it reveals what's behind reality. It reveals reality. I've always appreciated C.S. Lewis, his statement, which, interesting, his background was an atheist who came to faith in Christ, but after coming to Christ, he said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see the sun, but because by the sun, I see everything else. He said, the Christian faith, I, I believe it, not just because of the tenets of the Christian faith, but it is the Christian faith that reveals reality. It reveals all that is around us. You say, Michael, how is that so? Well, let me just give you a couple. I, I think the light of the world reveals reality about creation. If, if you talk to um, someone who's not a believer, who believes more in a materialistic, humanistic world, worldview, they, they, they may say, well, that this world, this is just a matter of random chance through millions of years of progress, and, and this is what it's come to. You understand that in that worldview, your life and everything in this world, it, it's, it's just a series of, of random Chance, and that creates a significant issue, not only for the purpose of this life, but it creates a significant issue when we speak of the dignity of every human person. Do we really have dignity if we're all just a series of chance? However, God's word says that it was God, the light of the world, who spoke all of this into existence, the power of his word. It not only answers the question for how we get here, but it gives true meaning to humanity. It gives a foundation for love. It gives a real purpose for life on this earth. The light of the world reveals reality about objective moral truth. How do we determine what is good and what is evil? If what is good to me is 
evil to you? And what is evil to you is good to me? How, how do we decide who's right? What objectively is right and wrong? In my belief, there's only one sufficient answer for this. There's someone outside of creation that is fully good and gives the foundation for moral good and evil. To me, it's the only answer for why an objective good and evil exists. In fact, in 1 John, the Apostle John, one of his later letters, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he writes this, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. It's speaking to the character of God. This is an important verse, right? God reveals by the light that he is the light. He has revealed to us that he is the light. He is the essence of all that is good, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. That means that if it aligns with God's character, it is good, and if it doesn't, then it is not. This is a source for objective morality. Paul even references this in Romans 2, that the Gentiles, even though they don't have the law, they know what is right and wrong. There's an evidence there, I think, of, of that. I think the light of the world also reveals a, a final source for justice for the evil in this world. Right? We see evil that is done, and, and there's part of us that that longs that, that justice would come when evil happens, and at times in this world it feels like that doesn't happen. Even with the tragic shooting that happened in Maine this week, but although the shooter is dead, there's still, I think, part of all of us that think, man, it just feels like justice wasn't done. But we recognize that God's word reveals that there is a day that is coming when all evil will be judged for good. You see, the light of the world reveals a lot about what's out there. But most importantly, I believe the light of the world reveals about what's in here. I believe that the reality of God in his existence, it reveals for us the answers to the question that we all ask, who are we and what are we here for? It answers the question, what does this life have for me? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it tells us that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. What does that mean? It means that we are more than just physical beings. That we're asking these questions not just because we're created in the image of God with the ability to reason, but because we are wired that way. It's how God has created us. And so we understand that unlike the materialistic hedonist who believes only in the pleasure of this world, that because of the light that reveals reality, we can know that we are spiritual beings created for another world. And this light reveals something about us as spiritual beings. God's word says it, but our lives confirm it. That although he is the light and the light of the world, we are not. When we begin to look at our lives, what we find in our disobedience in our lying and in our lusting, in our greed and in our pride, we find darkness in our hearts. If I were to ask you today, when you go home, I need you to clean your room, what would that mean to you? For some of you, it would mean, I need to get my dirty clothes off the floor and in the laundry basket. Now, some of you OCD people in here, you're like, huh, 
What uncivilized apes would do such a thing? We're praying for you, all right? Would your room, would we say that your room's clean because the clothes have been picked up off the floor? Some of you are like, I hope, right? But what if, we, what if we pick up the clothes and then we vacuum? Is that sufficient? Some of you are like, we're getting there. What if we make the bed? What if we clean up the top of our dresser? Right, students, I'm really sorry if you have to go home and clean your room today, all right? But right, you would just keep working and working and working, and we could keep going, and you, you would spend hours in there. And then someone walks in, and they take a flashlight, and they pull up the blinds, and they look at your windowsill, and they shine that light down on the windowsill, and what do they see? Dust. Is your room clean? You see, the reality is light reveals and what the purity of God and his holiness reveals about you and I is we got a lot of dust. And the Bible says that that dust, it separates us from God. It separates us from him. But I want to tell you there's hope today. You see, in, in the Old Testament, they, they look to God as light. In fact, in Psalm 27.1, David would say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? David would look to the heavens for salvation. He would look to the light for hope and protection and peace. But what God knows about you and I is that this dust issue in our life called sin, that only he could deal with it. And then he would do it in such a way, not sitting on the throne of heaven, but that he would come to walk among his creation. In fact, in the prologue of John's gospel, in chapter 1, verse 9, John said this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So God is light. There's a recognition that his creation, because of our disobedience, we are in darkness but the God in his love for you, the God who is light, the true light, was coming into the world. And so light reveals reality. And in that revelation, what it reveals about you and I is that we have a deep need for light. But the great news for us today is that the light of the world delivers us from darkness. The light of the world delivers us from darkness. Now, I need a volunteer for this part of my message. Can I get a volunteer? Somebody? Somebody? Bobby Reynolds, thank you, man. Come on up here, Bobby. Come on, Bobby. See, I, was your hand up? I'm not sure. Come on, Bobby. My man, Bobby. That was so generous for you to think about volunteering and that I knew that. Did you think about volunteering? Nope, nope? all right. Perfect. We're going to play a little game, Bobby. Okay? Little game here. All right? Some of you played this game before. Here's what I need you to do. All right? I'm not going to do a magic trick. All right? Are you a good artist? Nope. Nope? Good. Perfect guy. All right? Here's what's going to happen. All right? There's a sheet right there with a marker. Don't write on my table. All right? We're going to put an image up on the screen. I'm going to draw that image on your back. Are you okay with me touching your back? Yeah. If you said no, it was going to be really hard to do this. All right? I'm going to draw the image on your back, 
As I'm drawing the image with your eyes closed, you're just going to draw it on this sheet of paper. Sound simple? Yeah. Got it? All right, hop up here. All right. Now, just to give you a hint, we're going to start with a word. We'll do a word first, then we'll do a shape, then we're going to do a picture. All right, word, shape, picture. Okay. All right? I didn't bring a blindfold, blind, blind, <laughs> blindfold, because I feel like I can trust you. Yeah. Okay? All right. Here we go. Close your eyes. When you woke up this morning, did you think you'd be standing here? <laughs> All right, here we go. Eyes closed. Eyes closed. All right, image on the screen. Okay. All right, you ready? Can we do it again? Can we start over? Can yeah. we start over? Okay. Hmm. <laughs> okay. All right, you good? All right. You can open your eyes. That's what we got. Okay? Can we see that? Can we see that? All right, you want to turn around and look at the word up there? Not bad. Not bad. Come on, right? Come on. All right, we're going to go to a shape now. All right, All right. eyes closed. You put a shape up there? Go ahead. Stop it! They're not laughing at you. Okay. They're not laughing at you. Stop it. Okay, here we go. You ready? That was a shape. Here we go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Good, 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 good. That's what we got. All right, turn around, get a look. How's that look? How's that look? That looks pretty close. That looks good, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm talking about up there, it looks yeah. good. All right, no, all right. Here we go, last one, last one, last one. All right, here we go. Put the image up there. Do you like your chances after hearing their response just now? Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Christmas. Okay. All right? Okay. You got it? Yeah. Look at this. Look at that. My man! Look at it. <laughs> Good job, man. Good job. Y'all think Bobby Reynolds... He's going to kill me. <laughs> Bobby, I promise you, nobody in here had anything to do with that that's related to you. All right? Listen, here's the reality. When we walk in darkness, we're trying to perceive what this life is all about. And we're trying to navigate it the best we can. But the truth is, is that just like every drawing came out, not looking like the picture, the reality of the darkness that you and I walk in, it leads us to a place, not only are we separated from God, but it leads us to a place when we try to navigate this world in the darkness, we end up in a place we never thought we would be. We find ourselves walking in guilt and shame like we never thought we would experience. You see, darkness is a real problem for us. 
It's a real problem because we think we can trust our own ability, our own senses, our own experience to navigate this life. But what we don't understand is that because of the darkness of our hearts, because of sin, we are trying to draw out life or navigate life all while doing it in darkness. But you see, there's a bigger issue. It's not just that we're trying to navigate life in darkness. It's to recognize that that there is a God who is light and we have darkness in us and that creates a real issue. Remember what John said, that the God is light and in him there is absolutely no darkness. If you haven't listened to anything else today, I just want you to tune in right here. God is light and in him is no darkness. In fact, the Bible says the place where God will dwell forever, there's no darkness there. And for you and I, we look at our lives and we find our guilt and our shame. We see our disobedience and we find darkness. How can I expect that in my darkness that I can just walk into the presence of a God who is light and in him there is absolutely no darkness. How can I expect that in my darkness that I can desire or believe that one day I'll spend forever in a place where there is no darkness? You see, there's a lot of assumptions that are made, but the truth is there is darkness in us and there is no darkness in God. And for us to assume that we would bring our darkness into his presence without something, without something, healing it, and bringing light to that darkness. It's a foolish thought. But you see, the true light was coming into the world. Jesus in John 12 would go a little bit further on this idea of light of the world. In John 12, 46, he would say this, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. Here's what Jesus was saying to you today for the one walking in darkness. You don't have to stay there. The God in his love for you stepped out of heaven, came and walked fully man, fully God, lived a perfect life, revealed his divinity by what he did and what he said, and then in his love for you and for the glory of his name, climbed up on a cross and paid the penalty that you and I deserve because of our sin. The Bible says that he was buried and three days later he rose again over power in the grave knowing that his sacrifice was sufficient in the eyes of the Father. Jesus provides a way for you and I to step out of darkness and to come into the light, to be in a right relationship with God and to experience this life having a full picture with our eyes wide open. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 4 and verse 6, he says, In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, the light reveals and it exposes the darkness, but here's what the light also does. It guides you into freedom. It guides you into forgiveness. It guides you into life. It guides you into joy. It guides you into purpose. 
For some of you today, you walked into this room knowing that there is darkness in your heart. And today you are hopeful because you have heard there is a way that you can experience the light. And it's because of what Christ did for you. And here in just a few moments, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to that and to receive the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The last thing I want us to catch here about the light is that the light of the world leads us to life. It leads us to life. One of the other connections that Jesus is making here is when he says, I'm the light of the world, it's a call back to, again, what's happening in the wilderness, what's happening as God has delivered his people out of Egypt. And if you remember, it tells us that God guided them. He led them, didn't he? It was with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, I don't know if it had the voice of GPS that was telling them in 500 feet, take a left turn, right? But but there was this pillar of fire. There was this light that was guiding them to what God had for them. And don't miss when Jesus says here in verse 12, I'm the light of the world. And notice what he says. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's the understanding here that the call of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the invitation for us is not just to come to the light, to receive the light, to be delivered from darkness, but it's to know that the light was given to us to guide us into what true life really is. Psalm 56, verse 13, For you rescued me from death, even my feet from stumbling. Look at what it says here. To walk before God in the light of life. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul is taking this idea of light and darkness and he is fleshing it out for the believer in Christ and how we are to live our life in obedience and submission and surrender to God. He says in chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty arguments for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. Listen to what he says. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible, for what makes everything visible is light. It's the understanding for the believer in Jesus Christ. Not only are we to come to the light to be rescued from our darkness, but a call for you and I to walk in light, to have the fruit of walking in the light. As he speaks of there, right, the fruitless, I'm sorry, the fruit of the light, right, goodness and righteousness and truth. For some of us in here today, man, we, <laughs> we know there's been a season, a, mo or a moment in our life where, where, yes, we have come to Christ by faith. But the truth is today, you know, man, I'm walking in darkness. My life today, man, it, it doesn't look like the light. And sure, on the outside, I look like I've got it together, and I've got maybe my family fooled and my life group fooled, and maybe, maybe my work would know no different. They'd say I'm a good citizen and a good employee, but deep down in your heart, what the light has revealed today is, man, I know, I'm walking in darkness. But the hope for us today is the grace that is found when we acknowledge what the light is exposed Right? In 1 John, he goes on and he says in chapter 1 that if we claim to walk in the light, 
yet walk in sin. We lie and don't live by the truth, and we don't have fellowship with him. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ. It covers us. It purifies us from all unrighteousness. He goes on and he says, listen, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us from all unrighteousness. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had a young man caught me with tears in his eyes. He said, man, I need to talk. I said, Okay. And he sat down and he just took all that was in the darkness and he just brought it into the light. He said, my God, I just, I just need to tell you, I'm tired of holding it in, I'm tired of holding on, I'm tired of looking like I got it together on the inside or on the outside when I know on the inside I am dying in my guilt and my shame. I'm ready to run to the light. Later that week, I got together with him and you'd have thought it was a new man. Doesn't have it all figured out, but what he has found was that the light leads to life. And my fear is, is that for some of you today, even in a message like this, you're just still going to keep clinging and holding on. You're going to keep walking in that sin. You're going to keep walking in that shame. You're going to keep walking in that guilt because Satan has convinced you or you have convinced yourself that that's the safest and best place to be. And I can tell you, if I were to bring that young man up here today, he would say, let it go. Run to the light. And so when I got out of that haunted house, <laughs> there was no going back in because I wanted to be in the light. And today I want to give you an opportunity to run out of the darkness that you have found yourself in. So here in a moment, our worship team is going to come up. Then go, you guys can go ahead and be coming now. And I want to give an opportunity for you to come into the light today. Now listen, to come into the light, it doesn't mean that we're going to take the worst of your life and post it up on the screen for everyone to know. I'm not going to do that. But for some of you today, you need to come into the light because there's never been that moment in life where you've trusted in Jesus Christ and that he came and lived a sinless, perfect life and died a death on your behalf to pay the penalty for our darkness and that he was buried and rose again three days later proving that he truly was the son of God and today you need to walk out of the darkness into the light knowing that one day you want to spend forever with God and to be forever with him in a place where there is no darkness and that can only come through responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ some of you today you need to walk into the light through confession Maybe you need to come down here, down front. It's just a symbol of, Lord, I'm bringing everything to you today. We're going to have some friends that are available here, myself and some other of our ministers and friends are going to be here and in the balcony on the landing up there. You say, Michael, I just, I want to come and just confess. I want to come and confess the darkness that I've been walking in and my desire is to step into the light today. Whatever God is doing in your heart today, right now in this moment, Receive the invitation that he has for you. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray for us. And when I say amen, we're going to stand. As I said, we'll be here down front. If you need to receive Jesus today, we want to invite you to come forth. You, all you have to say is today, I, I want Jesus in my life. Maybe you need to come in to confess sin today. Maybe you just want to come up to this altar and pray. I, I don't know what the response is to you, for you today, but here's what I know. It is only good for you to run to the light. And so, Lord, as we have a chance to respond now, I pray that 
as your light this morning has revealed reality to us. That we would respond to whatever you're calling us to do. For some of us, God, it is to receive you today, to be our Lord, to be our Savior, submit our life fully to you. some today we need to walk out of the darkness of our junk of our apathy of our pornography of our greed we need to bring it into the light today and so Lord whatever that looks like Lord, would we just be obedient to you today would we trust you Lord we're trusting you for eternity will we trust you with our sin. And so God, we give you this moment now. In Jesus' name, amen. You stay.